Welcome to another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. That is not Alan Saunders next to me. This is Derek Bell. Get used to seeing me and Derek on the same screen together, by the way, because maybe not on Steelers Afternoon Drive, but this is about the time of year where we're going to start doing some content together as we get into the draft season. Very excited that Derek is on the show with me because it hasn't been the two of us on here since like the end of preseason for the Steelers. Obviously, a lot has happened then, an entire football season. Derek, what's going on? Chilling, man. Yeah, it's been an interesting week. We got a lot going on. Trombo just ended, you know, senior bowl down in Mobile. Mm -hmm. Steelers hiring an offensive coordinator at like the worst possible time, (laughs) uh, just from just time purposes uh, on my end. But yeah, it's been it's been fun, man. It's been a really fun week. Uh, Just a lot going on. It's uh, helping, you know, pass the time for sure. Yeah, I mean, you're you to a different level even than me, but there's a lot of sickos that really get into this draft stuff. You are certainly one of them. Um, And uh, a lot of the questions that we're going to be answering today are going to be centered around the draft, the Steelers draft, the way that they could go. I know some of the people threw some free agency stuff in here as well. But basically, that's what I want to turn today's episode into is a little bit of a and a and actually on your own personal channel, what you planned on having be like a 20-ish minute video turned into an hour plus long video of you answering questions so go over there check that out uh and i bet you derek that we could have some regurgitation in terms of the topics that are answered on here but yeah, nonetheless sure. we appreciate the questions we appreciate the topics that you guys gave us and we will just jump right into it tyler says anyone you see the steelers realistically trading up for if they do man that's uh that's a tough one. I mean, just to kind of hit on, um, you know, kind of the strengths of the class. And I'm assuming like when people are talking trade up, uh, I think they're mostly referring to like in the first round. Right. So I think the strengths sure, of this yeah. class really revolve around two positions. I think that the Steelers really need tackle and cornerback. So when you talk mm-hmm. about potential trade up op- options, you know, this is a deep class. Um for both of those positions, I mean, I think we could see as many as like seven offensive tackles going the first round um, and probably a half dozen corners. Like, I mean, like that's how good this position group is. Uh, but yeah. there are going to be guys that, you know, depending on if you're looking for a specific skill set or a specific player that fits your measurables and all that stuff, um, I could definitely see them moving up. I mean, Omar Khan just did it last year in his first ever draft, right? Yeah. Like he, he moved up to get his guy, Project Jones. He didn't want to wait. Uh, to see him potentially go off the board before he had the chance to select them. So I definitely think the aggressiveness is there in terms of like guys that I personally wouldn't hate trading up for um, probably the one guy I keep coming back to. And like people have heard me gush about him a lot um, recently is Alabama's uh, Terry on Arnold cornerback uh, guy who has just like, yeah. he had a fantastic year this past year. I mean, uh, opposite Kool-Aid McKinstry. I mean, Arnold has everything that you want in the modern day cornerback, like the footwork, the change of direction skills, the ability to trigger explosive um, competitive at the catch point. He's got a dense frame. He plays the run. Well, I mean, he does so much stuff really well. Um, Obviously very well coached, you know, playing for the greatest defensive mind, maybe of all time in Nick Saban. So um, he would be a guy for me that I think, um, you know, is in that cornerback one discussion. He's, he's the best cornerback I've watched. So if, if they deemed him a good fit, I'd love to get him opposite Joy Porter Jr. Yeah. You know, I was going through like, filtering through some questions here uh and that was actually going to be one of my answers to a separate question um but absolutely i think that he would be somebody that falls into that bucket it's just interesting to me because we're having a similar conversation this year with the draft classes we did last year like not only just the team needs but where they're picking in the draft as well like what the sweet spot could be for the positions i mean you look at last year's class they go trade up for offensive tackle and then corner would we be all that surprised if it's the same route this year with their first two picks i mean especially if they address center and free agency then i think that that really opens the door for those to be the first two picks um 
but we're going to have a lot of questions about center and free agency. So I'll leave it yeah. at that right now. I, I don't know where else I could go with it. Terry and Arnold was going to be my answer to this for sure. Um, because if you're not going that route, man, like uh, maybe throw, a, let's throw a fun one out there. And let's say that they're just being really coy about their interest in the quarterback class. And you see like a Jaden Daniels start to slide or something like that. Like that is the one scenario that I'll throw out there. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, Daniels to me is, you know, in, in terms of the quarterbacks, which I'm sure there may or may not be a quarterback question in, in the replies on Twitter. Uh, but in terms oh, of quarterbacks, is. in terms of like who I think I would realistically be okay with spending a first round pick on, uh, mm-hmm. it's Williams, May, and then Daniels. I think I'm less sold on Daniels. Uh, I think there's more work to be done just because yeah. I think some of his process is really inconsistent. But in terms of, uh, you know, when you're taking shots at a quarterback in the first round, you want that upside. I think Daniels' dual threat ability definitely offers that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this you, you you made a good point about them potentially investing in the two positions again, right, tackle, cornerback. And really I think it it may sound weird on the surface, but then you think about it like – those two positions haven't been something that the Steelers have invested in heavily. That's why we were so mm-hmm. excited to did it last year because they haven't taken a first-round tackle in so long. They haven't taken a first-round corner other than Artie Burns, I think, like, once in my lifetime, uh, going back to, like, Chad Scott in the late 90s, something like that. Um, so, I mean, seeing those two positions, uh, those are premier positions in the modern NFL. So, seeing them invest in those uh, in back-to-back seasons definitely wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. And not you potentially get bookend players at – two really important spots. I mean, that's a, that's a great foundation. Uh, this comes from Tyler, uh, that he wants to hear thoughts on the free agent receivers. And what I think is interesting about this question is maybe your answer has shifted based on the hiring of Arthur Smith, just because of the type of personnel that he's going to run and maybe the utilization or lack thereof from a, a third pass catching option, like a slot receiver where you see a limited number of targets within Arthur Smith's offense in the past. Yeah, I mean, you look at the numbers, uh, you know, you and I have talked about this a lot. I feel like even dating back to last year when we were doing draft content together, there's there's not there's not been a, a, a steady stream of production from the slot receiver spot. You even go back to like the beginning mm-hmm. of the Matt Canada era, really since Juju started getting hurt. Um, you know, they've filtered in guys like Chase Claypool. They traded for Allen Robinson. I mean, there's just been no production. But in terms of like targets, you mentioned a good point with Arthur Smith's offense. I mean, they're just there isn't very much production out of there either. I want to say they were dead last last year in targets uh, from that spot. I mean, they, he would use different, Yeah, I think uh, 34 targets in total. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he would use different bodies in there. I mean, they, they would, a lot of times uh, for the Falcons, when they would go to like three by one, you would have Cal Pitts as the number three receiver to the strong side. So, I mean, it can be skewed a little bit in that way, depending on how you classify Pitts. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that this is, I, I do think that my answers changed in terms of, um, you know, potential free agent receivers or how, how high of a priority that would be in the draft. I mean, you know, I sure. always kind of think the, the door is open for the Steelers to take a day two receiver every single year just because of how they've historically mm-hmm. operated. But I think with Smith's offense and how heavy it is with tight end personnel and 12, 13 personnel, heavy, heavy, um, I don't think it really makes a lot of sense to go out and spend a lot of money. Now, they definitely need to add to the room. You know, Allen Robinson, I don't, don't anticipate being back. There are some guys in the draft that I really like. Just want to shout out Florida's Ricky Purcell. That's a guy that I am like, I'm way higher on the consensus. I'll just say that. Um, and I think he's had a really good senior ball. I've been seeing a lot of a lot of tweets. But this receiver class in particular is better than last year's. So the potential for, you know, one of those like top 10, top 15 receivers to potentially fall into the third round, the fourth round, where the Steelers may say, all right, we're comfortable with the value here. We, we really like this player. I think there's potential uh, there, even with the the lack of you know true eleven personnel in Smith's system. 
Sure. Yeah. I just, I think it kind of eliminates the thought process for me where it's like, I was mm-hmm. looking at this free agent class and I was like, does a reunion make sense for, and I say reunion, but I mean, really just coming home for Tyler Boyd or like a Curtis Samuel, something like that. Cause I, I, yeah. I got to give Nick Farabaugh a shout out here. I could see him wanting to use Calvin Austin in like a Khalif Raymond type of role. Like he had, that was my comp for him be- Calvin coming out. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that actually. That's funny. Yeah. Um, but Nick Farabaugh threw that out there on the TL and I saw that and I was like, yeah, that would actually make a ton of sense. But I will say too, maybe another part to throw into this equation is Deontay being on a contract year. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what the process is going to be like with the organization with him, but also as much as I love Deontay and, you know, want him to be a part of this. And I think that he's a quarterback's best friend. I am curious about his fit in Arthur Smith's offense. I think it's more catered to a guy like George Pickens, which is why I could still see like a, a guy I want to throw out there is Malachi Corley, who I absolutely love. And I I think he can fit into most offenses. I think everybody's chasing like that Debo Samuel type of receiver. You mm-hmm. just get the ball in his hands and he can operate like a running back. I mean, if there's one guy in this class that streams Debo Samuel, it's Malachi Corley. He's he's working with the – I mean, I wrote about Corley for SteelersNow.com. Y'all can go find the article. I uh, did a draft profile on him this week or in the last week, actually. But um, you mentioned some inter- an interesting name with Corley. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you look back at Arthur Smith's offenses and, you know, Think about like the first year he was there about what he did with Corderell Patterson, right? And like, yeah. I think that Corley has some similarities in terms of Patterson starting out a receiver, uh, kind of shifting to running back. He can do some different things. You can flex him out. You can use him in the slot. Um, another guy I think that is interesting that you kind of mentioned too, this to me would be higher of an investment that I could see them really making. But I think a guy like Curtis Samuel kind of can do some of the same things too. Like some of the things that Washington did with him, some of the things that he did at Ohio state in terms of lining up in the backfield, you can throw him the ball. Uh, You know, Smith's uh, teams have had some encouraging moments in the screen game. So like, that's a way that you can use Curtis, but to your point about Deontay, it is weird because I was just thinking uh, I've watched in the past, like 40 or I guess probably 36 hours. I've watched about five Falcons games and the whole th- time I kept coming back to is like, man, like I don't remember Arthur Smith's offense ever having a guy like Deontay. Like all the receivers yeah. that you think of in his offenses have always been those bigger guys because they use those tight splits and just the way that they're utilized, the route concepts that they like. Um, AJ Brown, Corey Davis, Drake London, Matt Collins, mm-hmm. all those guys are huge. I mean, Deontay's a, a featherweight compared to them. So how that fit comes into play is very different. He's a guy that I'm going to need to watch. Um, a good bit more to fi- figure out how he could potentially be used in this offense. But I do agree like him being on a contract year and a kind of a weird fit in this offense, it could definitely spring, mm-hmm. you know, a higher pick than maybe we're anticipating. Sure. And maybe going along with this, cause we're talking about playmakers. Uh, John says, are you concerned with Pat Fryermuth and what his usage could look like in the offense? I'm, I'm not as concerned as maybe others are. I do think that they're, there are some concerning things with Pitts. All I'll say is like 2022, Kyle Pitts' numbers. I know that was really like he had that crazy rookie year in 2021. And then the rookie or the sophomore year numbers were down. 2022 was, I don't want to say mostly, or yeah, I will say mostly, mostly just because of bad quarterback play, to be honest with you. Yeah. Man. Like, yeah, they just could not get the dude the ball. Like, and it wasn't that they weren't designing plays to go his way, or he wasn't necessarily just getting like any targets. It was just the amount of inaccurate passes that were headed his way. Like that's not on the coordinator, man. Like you, you have to be able to have a quarterback that can deliver an accurate throw this past year. I don't think they did a good enough job getting him involved in the offense um, through different stretches. I mean, there are things that they do. Um, I'm actually going to do a YouTube video on this 
tonight um, about a play that they run for him that I, I think Pat will fit right in on. Um, but I will say this about Pitts. Pitts was not fully healthy last year. So I think you do have to keep that into my, like into your mind when you're evaluating like sure. that situation. He, you know, had that season ending injury in 2022. It came out, I think, a couple weeks ago that he posted an Instagram uh, post or whatever saying that like he had more damage, I think to his knee or whatever he ended up injuring than was previously mm. let on. And you can tell they would use him on a lot of like clear outs and stuff. And you could tell he just didn't have the same amount of juice. I mean, he's still a plus athlete for the position, but he's, he didn't look like the unicorn that I saw coming out of Florida a couple years ago. And that's the part. So some of it's team, some of it's quarterback play. Some of it's, I think Pitts just, wasn't quite 100 percent this year sure yeah um jared says with arthur smith coming in how do you think this affects the draft feel like we need to get younger on defense and spend higher capital there but also think they could use higher picks on the offensive line and keep revamping that well yeah, first and foremost obviously with them going the shift in scheme center circle it they're, they're gonna have a new center we knew that anyways was going to be the case but with what arthur smith's offense asked of the position it's like no question to me that that's going to be something either the first free agent that they sign or the most money they spend in free agency could be on a center or it's going to be within their first two picks yeah center is to me it's it's the number one need right now like yeah. if you're if you're saying that let's just put the quarterback stuff aside and say like all right we're, they're gonna you know, skate by, they're going to run this back, give Kenny Pickett a chance to work with a new offensive coordinator, allow him to compete with whatever vet you bring in, you know, whether it's Mason Rudolph, is it Gallagher, Tannehill, like something, somebody like that. Um, center, it has to happen. Like you look at what, uh, go look at some of Arthur Smith's comments about Ben Jones, his center uh, in Tennessee, and some of the things that they used him for and how he really set the tone up for up front in the trenches for that offense. And then, you know, he comes to Atlanta, the very first draft, they take Drew Dahlman in the fourth round. Now, Dahlman is a guy who wouldn't start for every single offense, but he's a perfect fit for right. Smith's offense and that wide zone scheme because that dude is an unbelievable athlete. Like, if there is one thing that that does at an elite level, he gets out in space, he can move, he can get to the second level, he can still have blocks, uh, just a phenomenal athlete. So there's a very specific skill type that he wants in his offensive lineman, particularly at the pivot. Um, and I think, you know, there has to be a significant investment at that position. They're like, it's a non-negotiable thing for me. So that's how it would affect the draft on offense. In terms of the defense, there's absolutely some concerns over there in terms of the investment needed. Um, you know, the Steelers were 32nd in defensive snaps uh, per adjusted age this past year. I mean, they're old on that side of the ball. Like we, we know that mm -hmm. they've got some free agents, you know, Patrick Peterson, who we'll see what happens with him um so they they need to add some talent it just but you know they've got a lot they've got some decent amount of needs so how they balance all yeah. that out with free agency in the drafts gonna be interesting I, I will say like the one position for me and i don't know where you stand on this where i'm not addressing in the draft and i'm looking at free agency is the safety class like i just i think the free agent safety class is so good this year there's so many guys that are starting capable next to make a fitzpatrick i'm mm -hmm. not even thinking about the draft for that position yeah it's good i mean that's um that's a really good point, actually, too. I mean, just some, some guys that are available. I'm looking at the list right now, like uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, you know, a versatile safety. You talk about being able to flip kind of the responsibilities on the back end with him and Minka. I know he was hurt this year, but, you know, he's a guy who signed for pretty much pennies on the dollar compared to, like, what his play level was in Philly the year before. Um, mm -hmm. Other, like, youngish guys, too, you know, Chuck Clark, George Whitehead for the Jets, uh, you know, J. Ron Curse is kind of a – 
Oh yeah, that that would be that would that's gonna cost you a little bit. But man, could you imagine mm-hmm. having Kyle Duggar and Minka Fitzpatrick in the same backfield? That's like, oh my god, oh my god. Maybe he could be a little bit worried because I don't think he was the like, especially after the rookie year he had. I thought he was going to do great things in Carolina, but Jeremy Chin's a free agent. You know, maybe yeah. like a buy low swing candidate. Yeah. Yeah, I like the safety class. Geno Stone probably not getting out of Baltimore. He's also a free agent, and that'd be an interesting fit to see how you know those two would play in the back end, two mm-hmm. ball hawks and a Minka. But yeah, I think the free agent safety class is so good. I wouldn't be point. looking at the draft for that with you know the other needs that they have. Um, Tyler, here we go. This is kind of along with the same question because Tyler, other Tyler, my co-host of Around the Four and Two, Jackson Legend. Powers Johnson at pick twenty. Convince me why they shouldn't. I'll hang up and listen. I'm going to have a hard time convincing you that they shouldn't because I think they should. I, I mean, I, I know. Yeah. With, like unless Terry and Arnold is also there, like yeah. I, there's, there's not like a player that I think I'd be pounding the table to take it over him. Yeah. It's, it's really tough. Cause uh, I, I want to give credit to uh, Nick Martin, you know, uh, one of my, you mm-hmm. know, probably closest friends in terms of, you know, the draft stuff. And, you know, we constantly talking ball. And he was really early on Powers Johnson. And, uh, you know, I, I was sitting there everybody. watching. Yeah, he watches a lot of ball. Uh, but, you know, I so about a week ago, I was trying to do my senior bowl prep. I was like, all right, I want to get through some tape on – some more tape on some of these guys that, like, I haven't watched as much of. Dude, I flip on the tape, and I'm like, there's no flaws with this dude's game. Like, he, he does everything well. Like, he's 334 pounds. He moves incredibly well in space. He's physical. He's a finisher. He has a wrestling background. He's a brawler. Like, he plays with a chip on his shoulder. Like, he gave up, I think, I want to say he gave up, like, one or single-digit pressures this year as a pass protector. Now, granted, some of that is because Oregon's, like, RPO-heavy scheme, uh, and he wasn't tested as much in pass protection like he will be at the next level. Um, But there's just very little not to like. And I I just look at it from the Steelers' perspective, knowing how important that position is in Arthur Smith's offense, it's difficult to argue against it. Now, I will say, we just don't see a lot of centers – um go in the first round the nfl doesn't really prioritize that position i mean you have to be a really special prospect like tyler lindebaum even like guys like creed humphrey Mm -hmm. didn't go in the first round i mean we all remember that um but yeah you know it's just it you don't see a lot of them so i guess if you're trying to make an argument not to like it's not considered a premier position and you maybe you should are you okay we need to go find a left tackle or right tackle depending on what you do at jones um but man i it it's hard for me to see a 21 year old that's already that good. Who's only played one year of center at the college, at the collegiate level. It's just very hard for me to argue against that. Uh, all things considered. Yeah. And I, and I love Frazier and Van Pran who, but, but maybe to the benefit of powers Johnson, both of them dealing with injuries coming back from those throughout this process. Mm-hmm. Um, so that yeah, could push cra- him up. Frazier's rehab, he, Frazier's yeah. rehab is going incredible. I mean, the dude, the, the dude sure, broke his yeah. leg, right? Like two months ago. And he's mm-hmm. already like, jogging i i don't even understand yeah. the physics behind that but, sure. but yeah it's a good point with the injury thing i mean van pran um he dropped out of the senior bowl so like you know he's mm-hmm. he's not going to have that opportunity you just look at some of the i mean go look at twitter uh all these clips of you know jpj actually dominating down in mobile i mean that was a chance for van pran to kind of reboost his stock um and he's not mm-hmm. gonna get that unfortunately so the guy that in my opinion went into the 2023 season as the likely center one now very well could be center three at at best because of this injury people are talking about him and anywhere from rounds three to five they're looking at right now i saw dane brugler put Mm -hmm. that out um joey sims says i'm interested in this give me and i like this a lot actually one reason the steelers offense will be top 15 next season under smith and one reason it would be bottom 15 so 
flip of the coin here, it could go either direction, right? Under Arthur Smith, what is the biggest reason it would swing the pendulum in either direction? Oh, man, that's a good question. Um, I mean, Smith's offense to me is heavily predicated, obviously, on the run game. So, I mean, if you're looking at a reason for the, them to be top 15, it's having a dominant run game, forcing defenses into very specific looks, very basic looks uh, with your formations, with your personnel groupings, and then being able to play action pass and sequence plays uh, to generate like explosive yeah. down the field with, through the passing game. I think yeah. if you're looking for a top 15 offense, like the formula is there on like, because his offense really hasn't changed much, at least from what I've seen so far from Tennessee to Atlanta. The big difference is, is like when the run game do, like isn't humming, there, there's problems because he, he doesn't have like a vast, you know, crazy, um, you know, modern drop by passing game. That's just not his strength as, a, as, as an offensive coordinator. So um, I'll say like just the run game and the ability to sequence off of that. Now, I think how things could kind of go off the rails in terms of them being a bad offense again. To me, it's pretty simple there. Uh, if they don't run the ball well, that's going to force more on the drive-back passing game and in turn force more on the quarterback. And, you know, we saw what Smith's offense, I think, over the past two seasons looks like when you don't get good quarterback play. I mean, 2022, they were an above-average offense, even with Mariota. But this past season, you know, with Ritter and Heineke, just them turning the ball over all the time, even though Ritter did have some flashes of good play, just wasn't consistent enough. And I think the more that... Smith's offense takes so much off the quarterback's plate, but if you don't run the ball, you in turn have to put more back on the quarterback's plate. And I, I just don't think that's where you want to be. So I'll say that could be the the downfall. Yeah. You kind of hit on what I was going to say is it, it's going to be about can Kenny hit on the deep shots and I say Kenny, but Hey, Mason, Ryan Tannehill, Michael yeah. Pratt, whoever it ends up being the quarterback, uh, if they're going to hit on these deep shots down the field that the run game opens up for, I think is going to be the, and you said that with the explosive plays, like if they're, mm -hmm. this offense is going to be in top 15, it's because they're going to hit on those. Uh, why it wouldn't is if they may be misjudged the way that Arthur Smith's offense would fit the personnel that they have. Like, you know, you can bring in similar concerns. There you go. You can bring in one coach to, think that they can fit with the personnel and you can replace that coach obviously but you can't replace a bunch of personnel at one time just in one mm -hmm. fell swoop so they really need to have they really need to hope that arthur smith's offense is going to work with the group that they have because sure they got free agency in a draft to to plug some holes and stuff like that they're not going to completely change the personnel that they have with the offensive group in this offseason to fit arthur smith's offense it needs to be him that fits the offense yeah and then we go back to like just offensive coordinator talk in general, right? Like the best offensive coordinators are constantly two steps ahead of trends, which I think that's one of my concerns with Smith in general. I think that the best play mm -hmm. callers are always kind of two steps ahead um, of defensive coordinators. And I think Smith is one of those guys who, you know, he stays on the forefront of some stuff, but like he kind of just goes with where, where the wind's taking him a little bit. And like he has a very specific offense that he likes to run uh, for better or worse. And I think, um, like you said, the ability to kind of shift his offense to fit what the Steelers do really well. I mean, over the after the bye week last year, we saw the Steelers lean into a lot more gap-heavy runs. Like, a lot of the yeah. best games or best runs that they had, it felt like down the stretch, were gap-heavy runs, getting Najee Harris downhill, pulling the guards, pulling the tackles, you know, dart, trap plays, all the different stuff. It's not really part of Smith's offense. I mean, the last three years, he's right. been dead last in power runs. So it's, it's going mm -hmm. to be a big schematic shift uh, from what they're used to. How he blends that and how they add personnel to fit what they need to do is going to be, I mean, it's going to be a fascinating case study in my opinion.
Right. I, I think everybody was looking at on the surface, the philosophy of, okay, this guy runs the ball. The Steelers run the football. They it's go together, but get it done in a different it's, way. It's, it's um, very so. different. It's very different. I think yeah. people that are looking at it like that, like, um, you know, I've seen a lot of people say like, oh, you guys wanted to get back to smash, smash mouth football and play action and all this different stuff. It's like, yes, that's generally fine, but there are different ways to get that approach done. And I think that the way that Smith does it, it's just different than what we've seen with the Steelers offense for better or worse. We're going to find out. Sure. Um, Aiden says, what mid round quarterback or wide receiver do you have your eyes on? I already mentioned Purcell. That, that's, that's the yeah. guy that I, I like a lot. Um, you mentioned Corley. He's another guy that I think is really interesting quarterback to me. I think it's, it, it's two, uh, two lanes. Michael Pratt. I think is is a sure. guy that I would be. Would you maybe put in. Spencer Rattler in that bucket too? Like I don't know where mm-hmm. he's going to go, but I think like with the tools that he has, like there's some intrigue there. Like yeah. I, I see people throwing around the Joe Milton thing just because I think that they're nope. chasing nope. the. <laughs> nope. I, I but I understand. I, I get where the intrigue is coming from. I just don't. I'm not in that group I, because it's yeah. a big guy with a huge arm. You're chasing the Anthony Richardson thing. You're not going to find it in Joe Milton. But yeah, totally. I agree. understand yeah. where it's coming from. I think it's Pratt and Rattler are the two guys to be that kind of stand out. I mean, in terms of guys that I think will actually go in that third to fourth round range, um, mm-hmm. you know, Rattler's really interesting because, you know, he starts his career. He's, you know, uh, incredible talent, just burst onto the scene. He gets his job taken from Caleb Williams, by Caleb Williams and then goes to South Carolina. I don't think he started off, you know, the way that people were anticipating. But then, like, I thought, you know, just watching two games of film from this past year from him and then seeing him live, he's better than I thought he was going to be and Mm -hmm. because of some of the disadvantages that South Carolina had on offense they were terrible up front you actually got to see some stuff from him like in terms of like creation capacity that we just didn't know that he had and I also think the measurements for him you know he he measured in six foot even which we knew he was a short king but he was like 220 pounds that's pretty good I mean that's the that's the build it's a very unique build it's almost like a Baker Mayfield-ish build um of a quarterback and i think that those two guys you know pratt i love the accuracy i think he's really competitive there are some really high level flashes over the middle of the field in terms of anticipation um so those two guys would be would be my pick yeah i'm i'm in full agreement with those two wide receivers i shared the malachi corley thing i actually just started watching ricky because of your tweet about it. i got some games of him um yeah i don't know if i could give you another one right now to be quite honest with you i'm very early in my process here of going through any film study so um i'll i'll, I'll give you more in depth on this later on but you know like i said derek and i are going to be we got plenty doing of time some stuff to throughout yeah um sba says always great to have derek on do you see the need to acquire a true fullback for smith's running scheme if so draft or free agency yes uh they're gonna have to bring in somebody i, I don't know what that looks like um I, i'll be honest with you i have yeah, they had a pretty good one in atlanta yeah, I, I have zero uh, intel on what the draft fullback market is going to look like. But, um, yeah, I mean, I want to say just looking at Smith's, uh, you know, personnel usage, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's, like I said, there's a ton of tight end stuff, obviously, that we've already hit on, 12, 13 personnel. And some of that could be blurred maybe with a guy like Connor Hayward. Uh, but, you know, the the Falcons used a true fullback. I, I don't think that Connor Hayward is a – is a true true fullback he's a little bit more of like that hybrid oh you know um, what keith, keith smith is a free agent oh so just bring him over pay him a million dollars and let's just roll yeah 
I didn't. I I just I was curious about that. Yeah, he was on a one year two point three five million dollar last year. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with no. that. Go go try to pay him a million and a half on the cap or something and get it done. That just simplifies things. Knows the mm-hmm. offense just right. Um, this I always appreciate this. The same person has asked us questions basically every time I've I've looked for them. So shout out to Lord Megatron's op here. Uh, should we be concerned about Kenny not being the long-term solution with the addition of rookie quarterback of a rookie quarterback and possibly Ryan Tannehill? Listen, if they weren't, if there if there was no buzz about them adding another quarterback, I would still be very, very, very worried about the projection of Kenny Pickett long-term based off what we've seen on the field so far. So put the other. I think this this question could have been simplified into should we be concerned about Kenny? Yeah, I mean. I mean, how could you not be? I I don't, I I know, I think sometimes, and this isn't anything like, I'm pretty sure that dude follows me on Twitter. He's a cool dude. So I don't want to like make, Mm -hmm. make it sound like I'm like being a dick or anything like that. Like, I think sometimes like people want us to give like unwarranted optimism. And that's just like me and you, like just the way that we talk about ball and like give our opinions and stuff. Like we, we try to be like non-biased about things. Right. And like, I, I think that, if you just look at the body of work, what we've seen over the past two years, I mean, it, it, yeah, it's really concerning just the, the way that he's played, the way the offense has played, you know, his development. I mean, it's it would be ignorant to not be concerned at this point. Now, one thing that I'll say about Smith, and I tweeted this out right before we jumped on, uh, just in the, you know, the six, five, six games I've watched so far. Um, I think that Smith's offense is really less about like developing him. I think some people are confusing uh smith's like quarterback friendly offense with him being a quarterback developer and i think that those are two different things um but you know i I do think that there's a lot of stuff in smith's offense that makes it easy on the quarterback and can maximize they're gonna do the stuff that he does well a lot and he's gonna try to minimize the stuff that he doesn't do well as much as he possibly can as long as the run game is working all right so that's really the formula And you talk about some of the deep shots and stuff like Kenny can throw the ball down the field. Like if you, I mean, we've seen him throw like go balls and stuff like that. Some of the stuff that he doesn't do well, like I do think that Smith will has some guardrails in the offense to be able to minimize that and make it easier on him. I mean, there's tons of stuff in his offense, like the play action shots. There's, uh, you know, deep max protection play action one to two to check down. And then there's half field reads where it's one to two to check down. Like it's not a bunch of like full progression stuff to where his flaws i guess like as a processor or as an anticipatory thrower are going to show up like there is Mm -hmm. some times where that's necessary in his offense and we're going to find out if kenny can do it but there's also a lot of like easy buttons in the offense to make it easier on him and i think that that's at least encouraging if you look at it from that perspective right and it almost makes me wonder like where we would be at with kenny if arthur smith was the first offensive coordinator that he had when he first came into the nfl because that's one thing too while i am obviously like pretty close to being fully out on Kenny Pickett full disclosure here. Um, I understand that the organization was going to get, I fully expect the organization to give him this year, but that's just where I'm at with it personally. I do also think that it is a knock on the organization to give him the environment that he came into with Matt oh, Canada as his, quarter, as his offensive coordinator, Mike Sullivan as a quarterback coach. You know, I, I just, I, obviously not an ecosystem that was going to put any quarterback in the best position to succeed. So while I didn't love the idea of drafting Kenny, I'm very concerned about where we're at with him right now. I do question where we could have possibly have been if we had somebody 
like Arthur Smith here is the offensive coordinator with how friendly his system is for the quarterback right away. I, you're exactly right. And I think that, you know, the Pitt fans are like really mad at me on Twitter, like nonstop. So, I mean, <laughs> I didn't, this is, a, didn't this like... is a change up by the way. I, I think this is going to be a change up for the people in the comments because normally they get the impression that Alan and I are just totally bashing Mason Rudolph. Um, and this Pitt is going to be like a flipping of the it, script. Yeah. And the thing is, the, the the context that you gave is very necessary context. Like you can admit, like both things can be true at one time, right? Like we can admit mm -hmm. that the Steelers promoting Matt Canada office coordinator was an atrocious decision. And I mean, one that like, and I'm not trying to see, sit here and like gloss over my wins and stuff like that. But like, that was such an easy spade to call in real time. And they still did it. And then they kept him for multiple years. Like running it back in 2023 with him was asinine. And like yeah. we said that and it played out exactly how, how we said it was going to play out. And, you know, giving him that environment, even if you do like some of the pieces on offense, it's just it's not good enough for a young quarterback. And like not saying it's the worst situation ever or anything like that, but they didn't set him up easily for success. Now, on the flip side of that, there are simple things that Kenny still is struggling with going into year three that you would just not expect from a guy who's 26 years old and has played that much ball. It just is what it is. And that's where some of the concern about him being a capable starter that you can win meaningful games with comes into play. Your point about like where we would be if Arthur Smith was the play caller for the first two years of his career. I think that there is a very realistic chance that where we would be is Kenny would have this label as a game manager, the same label that a lot of like, if you think back to like the Tannehill thing, he was probably at the upper end of the game manager talk where Kenny mm -hmm. would probably have, Def or I won't say probably definitely had better statistical numbers to where people would be saying like, okay, well, like he can do this, this, and this, he can do like the deep play action shots. He can go one to two. He can create a little bit, run around scramble, but like, what else can he do? And people will be labeling him as like this, like mid tiered or like 20th or 18th best starter in the league. Instead of having the conversation we're having. Yeah. Instead of having the conversation that we're having right now, which is like, can this dude be a starting quarterback at all? Like at all. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Derek, we're already running a little bit over, but I got this last one. Uh, Zach says, why is Cane's the best fast food chicken restaurant? Man, Cane's is trash, <laughs> man. I hope that Steeler, like, man, I, I haven't. We, had, we had to get on. So By the way, Zach isn't me. This is Z-A-K, Zach. Okay. Yeah, man, like, Steeler's afternoon drive, faithful. Please don't let me down in the comments or anything like that. Like, do something better with your life and take yourself, go get you some better food than Cane's. Don't subject yourself to that mediocre chicken. Please do, do, do better, <laughs> be better. I have way more faith in you guys than that. I'm, I'm so appreciative of Zach first off for his first name. Secondly, for putting this in here so I could bring it up on the show. And, and now we can get some thoughts on the comments that aren't necessarily football related either. So hit us in the comments with your thoughts on Cane's, but, more importantly as well, we also do want to know how you feel about everything that we talked about. Well, Wide-ranging conversation today on Steelers Afternoon Drive there. Covered a lot of stuff. You're, we're going to continue to cover a lot of stuff. Tell the people where they could find you for this coverage. Yeah, at Steelers underscore DB, just on Twitter, YouTube. That's cool. Okay, and SteelersNow.com. Yeah, and on SteelersNow.com. Yeah, a lot of draft content, especially over the last week. Like I mentioned earlier, Malachi Corley, draft profile, senior bowl thoughts, all that stuff. I'm probably going to write something tomorrow-ish on some Arthur Smith stuff, uh, mainly from like a statistical and schematic standpoint. So if you guys are interested in that, be sure to go to the site.
I am maybe the worst friend in the world because I'm going to go read that Malachi Corley thing right now because I totally missed that being a thing. So uh, that's my guy, and I did check that out. Like, subscribe, hit that notification bell here. Hit us in the comments, like I said, your thoughts on anything that we talked about. Also, questions for when it's back with Alan and I. Uh, I assume tomorrow, you know, Alan, sometimes, as you guys have seen on this show, y- y- you never know what's going to be going on with Alan Saunders, especially when he's in Mobile, Alabama. Busiest man in We the might world. catch him at meets, yeah. Busiest man in the world, as we like to say. Uh, Leave us a five-star review if you're listening somewhere else, Apple, Spotify, wherever that might be. Once again, thanks for jumping in with us. For Derek Bell, for Zachary Smith, this has been Steelers Afternoon Drive. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.